welcome to the Words Matter podcast, enhancing patient care through better communication. Welcome to another episode of the Words Matter podcast. I'm Oliver Thompson. As always, a huge thank you to those of you supporting the podcast via Patreon. You help enable these conversations to become possible. So before we start, I want to mention that a good friend of the podcast, Dave Nichols, who I spoke to on episodes 21 and 51, has a new book coming out, titled Physiotherapy Otherwise. And this is a follow-up to his phenomenal book, The End of Physiotherapy. I haven't fully read it yet, but I'm certain it will be immensely thought-provoking and hopefully action-provoking and transformative, just like its predecessor. The book will be available to download for free as a PDF and an EPUB in early January, and I provided the links in the show notes. So in this episode, I'm introducing a series of conversations with clinicians or former clinicians who feel they're outsiders of their respective healthcare professions. They'll be sharing their experiences, their struggles, and how things could maybe change. I'm calling this series the Outsider Series, and I hope that by speaking to people that feel like professional outsiders, for a range of reasons and in different ways, we can learn more about our professional selves and how we relate, or not, to each other and the idea of our respective professions. And the intention of these episodes is not to further deepen any divisions within professions, but to better understand where and why divisions might exist. And it's a sign of a mature profession to be self-critical and to have these open conversations rather than a sign of fragility. And these episodes won't necessarily appear together sequentially, like the Cause Health or Quality Research series. They'll be evergreen and roll along, popping up occasionally when new guests arrive to share their outsider experiences. But in this episode, I'm going to lay some groundwork for the series and present the first outsider case and that's me. I will preface my experience with just that. It's only my experience. It's how I see and feel the profession of osteopathy, from my perspective. However, I do feel I'm able to fly above my experience to some extent and make some claims about how I think osteopathy and some osteopaths appear to be. Also, I want to say that I do have many wonderful friends and colleagues within osteopathy and I'm privileged to work with so many patients and students under the banner of something called osteopathy. My criticism to the profession, and some and not all of my colleagues, is in the spirit of critical inquiry. I'm arguing against professional ideas, not personal. But before we begin, there are some assumptions we need to think about. Things like, what is an outsider? Or, what is a profession? Of course, even the notion of outsider presumes that an insider position is even possible and that there's something to be an outsider of. And it also implies that an outsider position is somewhat less optimal than being an insider. As you all know by now, I'm no philosopher or sociologist. I just like talking to them on the podcast and I just tinker with these ways of thinking. But hopefully by the end of the series, we'll all have a better idea of some of these things. But for a moment, let's start with the idea of a profession. Professions are curious things 
Simply, professions are a collection of strangers that have something in common, perhaps a role or purpose, who abide by a set of rules or standards. But as we'll hear, in many ways they can be a disparate group of individuals. And there are several other ways to view what a profession is. Many lenses, if you like, depending on your sociological or philosophical view. But one way to understand a profession is by construct features such as unification, codification of knowledge, social closure, and alignment to the scientific paradigm. And these are taken from Kant and Chalmers' 1996 paper, Professionalization of Complementary Medicine in the UK. And I'll link the paper in the show notes. So take unification. Professions are unified by a shared set of values. Values such as epistemic values, maybe how knowledge is viewed and valued, such as the primacy of anatomy or physiology, or the knowledge we draw from palpation or communication with the patient. There are ethical values which are to do with morality and the notion of good behaviour. There are ontological values about the nature of our existence and also pragmatic values as the fulfilment of human actions. And these are taken from the late Stephen Tyman's work, which I've linked in the show notes. And you would think that just by signing up to these values would create a sense of unity and would guide our clinical and professional behaviour. But then why do some of us feel different from our professional colleagues? Is it a difference in these values which account for the feelings of being an outsider? Certainly for me as an outsider, I've arm-wrestled with osteopathic colleagues over these values. For example, I clearly have differing views from some of my colleagues about what constitutes knowledge and evidence, the nature of being an osteopath, and the sorts of actions and behaviours which should be driven by such values. Perhaps the difference in these that make me feel like an outsider. Getting back to the construct of a profession, we're all aware of the codification of professional knowledge. This is propositional knowledge which sits in professional textbooks or manuals. It's taught on courses or at universities. It's the specific knowledge base that characterises a profession. As professionals, we know lots of stuff. As healthcare professionals, we know lots of biomedical facts, technical and scientific knowledge about how to do things with our patients, and why their bodies might be sick. So this codification of knowledge, so it can be communicated and taught to groups of people, can be considered a construct feature of a profession. But professions also exhibit social closure. We're a special club, only open to those that have undergone specific training at specific places, such as universities. Our regulating bodies set standards of competence and capability in order to protect the public, giving us legitimacy. We are legit. And we know stuff. And we can do things that the general public or those that are not part of our profession cannot. Finally, this notion of alignment to the scientific paradigm. Well, the adoption of evidence-based practice by most, if not all, healthcare professions has helped meet this descriptor. Sciencey research is taught and conducted to generate more knowledge for practice. And healthcare professionals are encouraged to think in scientific ways, at times about patients. For example, the collection of data, the formulation of hypotheses, 
the testing of those hypotheses, and then a conclusion. I'm just going to read a quote from the late Stephen Tyman, who wrote extensively about professionalism, values, and epistemology in regards to healthcare. Stephen says, being a professional in the traditional sense of the phrase not only means doing a good job, but also putting the values and mores of the profession over and above the individual practitioner's personal feelings. The professional will treat all patients according to their needs and in accordance with the strict expectations of the profession rather than by who they are. So now that we've outlined what it is we're outsiders of, let's turn to what an outsider is or might be. I'll outline what my thoughts are about what an outsider is, but I have no doubt that this description will be advanced as I speak with others. So for me, an outsider is someone that doesn't identify with their professional label and the professionally or commonly agreed meaning of that label. So for example, I'm called an osteopath, but that label for me merely affords me the legal rights and privileges to care ethically for the health of others within the broad set of professional standards of practice set out by the regulator. Outsiders may also reject the core canons, principles, theories, philosophies or practices of their profession and feel that these are not congruent with or accepted by them as core. As outsiders, we struggle to fit into our profession. For some reason, we feel different from our professional colleagues. And in one way, outsiders are insiders compared to those that do not formally meet the characteristics of the profession. We are aware and sensitive to the theories, practice and jargon which formulate our respective professions. We've learnt them, we've used them in the past, but this seems to make us feel even more and more like an outsider, as we often recoil from them as they don't represent or relate to us. The more familiar we become with these things, the more we realise how different we are from them. And of course we're all outsiders to some extent, in so much as we are outsiders to the truths, experiences and perceptions of other members of our profession. And while I'm a self-classified outsider, I'm of course an insider in so much as I want what we call osteopathy to develop and move forward in the ways we think about ourselves and act towards each other and our patients. Hence these episodes. So really we all straddle an insider-outsider position in one way or another. Okay, so now that we've laid some groundwork, and remember, these are just my thoughts, my tinkering. I'll leave the deep and robust sociological and philosophical analysis to my guests. I'd now like to share my journey towards an outsider position in relation to the profession of osteopathy. So I became an osteopath in 2006 and went straight back to teaching osteopathic manual therapy and clinical supervision almost immediately afterwards. I taught osteopathy, whatever that might be, as a visiting lecturer across Europe and Scandinavia. I got really into it. I leather-bound and had gold-stamped some of the traditional osteopathic textbooks. But I was also quite critical as a student. And while I had a sense that some of the stuff we were taught, such as being able to palpate one or two millimetres of movement in the spine or mobilise the ligaments of the liver or the 
notion of the biomechanical butterfly effect, that is, if one part of the body, for example the ankle, is perceived to be more stiff, its effects ricochet across all systems of the body to give someone a headache or sinus problems. I kind of knew that was a bit fishy. But I stuck with this fairy tale because if they were true, not only could I detect such erroneous structural and functioning of the body and treat such impairments, then I could play God and find and fix all of these minuscule biomedical gremlins and help a lot of people. These ideas were sensational and that's what made them appealing. As was the sense of power, skill and identity they endowed me with. Anyway, the devotion didn't last long. The fishiness grew stronger and I began to realise that practice seemed more complicated than the mere application of biomechanics and anatomy. People seemed to get better or worse regardless of these perceived or imagined dysfunctions. A dose of postgraduate studies introduced me to evidence-based practice, critical thinking, the field of research, and I started to ask questions of myself and my practice and my profession. And I also began to ask questions of my colleagues. And I was inspired by the sense of adventure, to understand more about what was or was not happening during my clinical interaction with patients. And as I began to be inspired, I began to notice that colleagues just weren't. Many colleagues just seemed unable or unwilling to critically reflect in the same way. To even have a sense of wonderment about whether or not there were other ways to think, behave or practice osteopathy. It was kind of this cult-like manner in which they welded themselves to this thinking and followed the doctrine. And for me, thinking was fun. It was daring. It's a bit like peering over the edge of a cliff. There's lots at stake, but it's thrilling. The act of wondering or thinking far and wide is not only fun, but it's doubly fun in the context of healthcare as its purpose is directed towards improving our practice by adopting new methods, new theories, new knowledge to make the outcome more effective for our patients. And I think it behoves us as professionals to spend time reflecting on and theorising about the nature of our practice, questioning its purpose and redefining what it should be doing. And we owe it to the people who are suffering, the patients that we serve. But for me, the more time I spent within osteopathy, the more I noticed that this wasn't the standard stance, to wonder about these things in this way. And this led to toe-curling awkwardness and muteness at professional conferences, which were mainly geared towards celebrating the brilliantness and beauty of osteopathy and a kind of group back-clapping session, rather than a period of self-reflection. I just had too many questions, too much uncertainty. And so I felt philosophically divorced from osteopathy. The idea that osteopathy was tied to this traditional way of thinking and that the problems and questions that osteopathy was trying to solve and answer in the 1800s in Missouri in the US, where it was founded, it was just assumed and unquestionably relevant to healthcare practice in the 2000s. Not only was it relevant but it was the only way to think about the predicament that our patients find themselves in. To be part of the osteopathy club, that was the only game in town. And in many ways, I just wasn't osteopathic enough. I was, and frequently still am, 
reminded that my practice is more like a physio, a chiropractor, a GP or a counsellor or whatever. And whilst these accusations were meant to be critical and implicitly demeaning to the other professions, they were entirely correct. I was nothing like them. I thought about patients differently, myself differently, I thought about the body differently and evidence differently, and I even thought about thinking differently. The erroneous thinking, failure of intellectual honesty, and incoherent argumentation and analysis just seemed to be commonplace amongst some of my colleagues. Of course, this is no more apparent than on social media and Facebook, groups such as Osteopathy Works, where there seems to be a deliberate attempt to misinterpret one's argument, especially when critical or sharing views which were in conflict with the good name of osteopathy. The ferociousness and defence of osteopathic thinking and theory are hardly examples of a critically mature and reflexive profession or professionals, eager for deep analysis for the better care of patients. But back then and even more now, it became clear that osteopathy wasn't an object, like a tree or a rock. It was an idea, created and constructed by people. Initially one person, A.T. Still. And even our professional values, whether it's epistemic or ethical or ontological, these are just agreed upon by people too. So like all ideas, osteopathy should change in response to new evidence and knowledge and the social environment in which it occurs. But all ideas of osteopathy are lacking somewhere, but it just seems some ideas of osteopathy are lacking more than others. So I chose to develop my own idea of osteopathy, which I feel serves my patients best, as opposed to choosing the one that merely preserves the good name of osteopathy, or preserves the original idea that someone had about osteopathy a couple of hundred years ago. But with that said, I still look at professional colleagues that appear not to have an inkling of doubt, strident and immensely confident in their professional value, their worth and their expertise. Everything is great, it's all working well, nothing to see here, no questions need asking, the answers are already known. Keep doing what we're doing, just trust in the theories, listen to your hands, follow the anatomy and philosophy and believe in yourselves. I was, and sometimes still am, tinged with admiration of the ignorance is bliss way that my colleagues went about their osteopathy. But I still practice an osteopath. I abide by the standards of ethics and competence set out by our regulator. I enjoy teaching osteopathy students about qualitative research, evidence-based practice, person-centred care and clinical reasoning so they can develop their own idea of osteopathy and navigate the complexities of clinical practice and help people suffering in the best way possible, osteopathic or otherwise. My outsider position enables me to ask these questions in a somewhat detached way. Whether through podcasting, papers or my research. The questions may be uncomfortable for some, but they're just not uncomfortable for me. The questions may be obvious to some, but they're just not obvious to me. So that's my experience. I've no doubt missed out bits or reconstructed others, but I've tried to stay as faithful to the memories I've got. So stay tuned, I've got a range of outsiders from different professions to share what they feel being an outsider means to them and their experience. And I'll see you next time. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, visit www.wordsmatter-education.com for all the show notes, resources and blogs. And check out the online course in language and communication in relation to back pain. And I'll see you next time.